Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Imagine you're in the hospital, ready to give birth, and all of a sudden, the power goes out. It's black. They delivered a baby up on one of the floors basically by candlelight, in a sense. They had battery-powered flashlights. So it was just holding six flashlights or so just to put light Make sure everything's okay. Unreal moments this morning at White Memorial in Boyle Heights. One of the delayed effects of Tropical Storm Hillary. It's August 22nd. This is the LA Local, your TLDR for what's happening in Southern California. I'm Alex Silverman. We're going to talk today about the challenges of forecasting a hurricane in a place where hurricanes don't happen. This is a learning on the fly. Just like, you know, here on the East Coast, we were learning air quality on the fly with the Canadian wildfire smoke. But now your audience is going to know about it and knowledge is power. But first to the high drama at the hospital. John Baird was out there for us while this was going on. John, this is the nightmare for anybody who's ever been in the hospital, for any woman who's ever been in labor. What was it like to be there and watch this? When I first got here, it was crazy. There were fire trucks all around the hospital and ambulances all around the hospital, lights flashing. They were in the middle of moving patients out of the building. And this is a six-story building. They had to carry them down the stairwells. And remember, the lights were out. The elevators were, were not working. And some of these patients were on ventilators. It took all night and part of the morning for them to get this done. And when you have women in labor who are being evacuated, you add that stress. You can only imagine what they're going through. And, and we understand one woman actually gave birth in the, the stairwell or the hallway as they were coming down. When the fire department told us that, we were all kind of shocked, but they were able to pull it off. Apparently, they had a team of doctors and nurses tending to this person, and they were shining uh, portable lights up at the ceiling to throw light everywhere so they could see what they were doing. And I guess mom and the baby uh, did fine, and they were transferred with the other uh, critical patients to other facilities. Yeah, needless to say, this is not supposed to happen. Hospitals have to have generators that are checked in California at least 12 times a year. So what do we know about what went wrong here? Well, what they told us was that their power went out during the peak of the storm and they kicked on the generators. They said the generators were supposed to work for at least three days. Well, they didn't. They said later the connection bar that connected the backup generators to the hospital blew up. 
Wow. We're going to have to find out more information in the coming days about how that happened and, you know, how it can be prevented going forward, because it's something that, you know, every hospital in the region, I'm sure, is going to take note of. Right. And in the meantime, they were looking to secure another generator from the city of industry so they could get this main building uh, back up uh, in power. All right. John Barrett at uh, White Memorial in Boyle Heights. Thanks for, for covering this for us all day. All right, Alex. You know, yesterday we took you around the region with our reporters about what it was like to cover Hillary. Today I want to give you another perspective because a huge part of covering this was the forecast itself. And it's important to know about everything that goes into that. You heard this guy a bunch on our air, Steve Sosna. He's a meteorologist for CBS News. And we turned to him for some help because there, quite frankly, aren't a lot of people in this area who have experience forecasting hurricanes. But he does. So he was advising me and our team, uh, as well as our listeners on the air, on what we could expect and how we should handle it. So, Steve, how do you think about how to communicate all that to a region of millions of people who have never dealt with it before? Uh, Fabulous question. The communication aspect was about flooding. That was our number one concern. The problem with Tropical Storm Hillary for a while was, especially out in California, where you're used to watching on TV or listening on the radio of these storms hitting the East Coast, of the wind and the storm surge factor. So we had to get that out of people's heads right away, and that this would be mainly a rainfall event. And so It was a challenge for us to communicate that, hey, there's going to be some variety between the coast, the city, and certainly the mountains. One instance of that is San Jacinto uh, up there at the top of the mountain got 11 and three quarters of an inch of rain. Meanwhile, that's in Riverside County. The other end of Riverside County got two inches of rain, especially because we don't have a good database of uh, storms with that trajectory of impact in Southern California, there was a degree of uncertainty on our end. And the only thing that we could ask of the public is prepare for the worst case scenario and hope for the best. Yeah. You know, one problem that I see going forward is people will say, oh, well, they said this would be bad. It wasn't bad for me. And so the next time something comes around, people might look at it as a crying wolf situation. And the fact is bad stuff can happen from these types of systems, no matter where you are. Right. You know, listen, our science of forecasting has gotten much, much better. And our understanding of communication is getting better. However, you know, people need to understand that weather happens on a global scale. So to forecast at that local level is extremely challenging when you're dealing with a storm system that has, you know, a radius of 565 miles of tropical storm force winds. We just need that understanding from the public that, hey, listen, our science has gotten better, but it's not perfect. And we learn from every storm. So we'll go back and we'll do analysis of what worked with this storm in terms of communication and what didn't. But what I will say is the value of your KNX anchors of asking the right questions, because on our end as meteorologists, our schooling is math and physics and all that stuff, and we try to translate it, the anchors are very good at bringing out the uh, the important stuff, the meat and the potatoes of the science that matters to the people. And so I think your staff did a phenomenal job asking questions that matter in these situations, because quite literally, the information can be overwhelming. I couldn't agree with you more on that, and I appreciate you saying it. Uh, I'll throw one at you that's definitely on people's minds now. And this is the climate change question. I mean, people see the weather changing, records falling, things happening that never happened before. 
So how do we think about this storm and storms like it in the overall context of climate change? So these types of storms happen with and without climate change. The problem with these types of storms in our warming climate is that they're storms on steroids. We had that storm back in 1939, correct? But we had a whole different beast of a Category 4 storm survive over cold water and also over mountainous terrain, two things that basically destroy tropical systems, and yet you still had these prolific rainfall amounts. In fact, you had humidity in Southern California that you have on a typical day in South Florida. So you're now into a whole different ballgame, even where you are in Southern California, of tropical forecasting, which wasn't yeah. really a thing. You know, this situation, it doesn't rain in Southern California in the summertime. It just doesn't do it. Yeah, you, so you know to have a storm me? like this. Yeah. You know what struck me? Yeah. I, we're talking about dew points in the 70s, and I was mentioning that. And nobody here knew what a dew point was because we don't talk about it. <laughs> Correct. It, this is a learning on the fly. Just like, you know, here on the East Coast, we were learning air quality on the fly with the Canadian wildfire smoke. But now your audience is going to know about it and knowledge is power. Um, and that's why I think it's important that as meteorologists, not only is our role to give you the impacts, it's also to kind of give you uh, that view behind the curtain of what's going on to explain it so it makes sense to you. Uh, because I think people do have a curiosity. They want to learn about this. And as long as you can translate that science into human language, I think when you get into the degree of uncertainty, the audience is willing to tolerate that with you because you're, you're telling them, you're revealing everything that's happening there behind the scenes. And nobody does that better than you. We appreciate you helping us out during this storm and, you know, explaining all that to us in, in language that we really could understand. So thank you. Yeah, and I, I hope you uh, you guys do well with the cleanup, and I hope you're not dealing with this for a long, long, long time and you get a stretch of uh, traditional Southern California weather, sunshine and, and short sleeves. Enjoy, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. You know, fortunately, there were no serious injuries or deaths from this storm. But when there is a disaster that happens anywhere, we often talk about the need for donor blood. After a long time, blood banks are now starting to implement the new guidance from the government that allows more people to donate, gay men in particular. A lot of them still can't, as Emily will explain, but at least the rules are now allowing some to donate. So I started giving when I was in high school and then through college. Problem is, in the early 80s with the AIDS epidemic, he was no longer able to give because he's a gay man. And so to be able to give again, that feels really good. Today, he was able to roll up his sleeves, donated blood at LA Care. He happens to work for them. And ironically, his job is to organize the blood donations. But I have no doubt that it will drive more people to the blood drives that are occurring throughout the city. So the new rules are anyone who's taken PrEP by injection can't donate for two years. If you're taking a PrEP pill, you can't donate for three months. Also, regardless of your gender, anyone who's had multiple sex partners in the last three months and engaged in specific sex acts is unable to donate. That's Emily Valdez. And if you don't know, PrEP is a class of drugs that prevents HIV infection. And the rationale there is that, in theory, it could suppress detection of HIV. So somebody gets infected and then immediately starts on PrEP, the HIV might not be detected. That is a real uncommon scenario, but out of an abundance of caution, uh, still we're excluding 
a large segment of the LGBTQ population with these new rules. But, you know, as you heard there, some are now able to donate uh, for the first time in a very long time. And that's the L.A. Local for August 22nd. If you have any feedback, L.A. Local at knxnews.com. And please, we'd really appreciate if you would give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like the show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Until then, please listen to KNX News 97.1 FM for an update on what's happening in L.A. or around the region. Ask your smart speaker to play KNX News. Get the Odyssey app and search KNX. I'm Alex Silverman. See ya. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.